Welcome back to Scripps Talks. I'm pleased to have Chip Mahaney, um, a longtime friend of the School of Journalism and a member of our professional advisory board, and just an all-around great guy, uh, works for the Scripps Company. Chip, welcome to the podcast. Tell us, tell the people who don't know about you what you do for Scripps. So in my 12 years at Scripps, and by the way, I have about 40 years in the business, so I'm you know at the other end of my career from the people I'm working with day by day now. But uh, in my 12 years at Scripps since 2008, uh, I've had a bunch of different jobs, including being news director at our flagship station in Cincinnati. I've worked in the corporate office for most of my time helping build digital businesses. I first got connected back with the journalism school, the uh, Scripps School, about 2009 or 2010 when you, Bob, and others invited me out to the campus and introduced me around and made me feel like uh, a part of your family. Uh, my job now, the last year or so and going forward, is called Emerging Talent Leader. And my primary focus is developing, recruiting, hiring uh, the next generation of Scripps people, journalists mostly, and those are coming out of college and in their early career, growing people into our company uh, working with them from the earliest stages of their college time, if I can get to meet them when they're freshmen or sophomores, and certainly when they go into junior or senior years, developing deeper relationships with them so that we can figure out if we're a good match for them. And if we are a good match for them and them for us, then we want to make sure that we've got the best foot forward to recruit them into our company. You know, you've been a great partner for the School of Journalism ever since we've been in touch with you. And one of the, the the exciting things from my standpoint is this new role that you have because you approach it with such enthusiasm and openness. And I've always appreciated that about you. And I've appreciated the, the sort of the vibe and the message that you've sent out over the last uh, uh, two or three weeks saying, you know, that you're available to talk to students and you're available to speak with them. Because clearly a lot of our graduating seniors do feel like their you know their whole progress toward starting their careers is in jeopardy or certainly has hit this big speed bump. So I'm wondering what you're you know what are you telling young people who are in touch with you? What are you what are you projecting to them about how they should be using this time right now to not get too derailed? I, I tell everyone I talk to that unless you're 85 years or older you have never experienced in this country deprivation for us right now it's not deprivation of food thankfully and it's not deprivation there are people who obviously displaced from their jobs and are at risk for that but for most people including most of the students you know it's deprivation from your routine it's deprivation from your work or your schooling it's deprivation from your social connections right it's deprivation from being able to the outside world certainly more than just simply going for a run or a quick trip to the grocery store so much of our life has been disrupted and from the business perspective as well none of us in my company or any other company that's doing business today has ever experienced this from a company level great disruption so the first thing i tell students is to be really patient and it's really hard because you're getting to this end of your school year and you're already your mind is already starting to go toward what am i going to do what am i going to do i better get a job and you feel that pressure on yourself. But just keep in mind, it's it's only the end of March, and you aren't going to graduate for at least another four weeks. So we've still got some time to at least figure out where this is all going to go. But to be honest with you, none of us in business really knows exactly where this is going to go. Are we going to be at home still in four weeks? Are we going to be home in eight weeks? There are chances of either of those happening. And, you know, you can think through the whole hiring process. I mean, you know, we've got our newsrooms who are all scattered about. I mean, I think at 
where I used to be news director at WCPO, there's probably only maybe 10 or 11 people in the building at any given time. That's a guess, but that's what I, that's the picture I'm being drawn. Most of the entire staff is working remotely, which makes it very difficult to get ordinary business done. We can, we've figured out over the last two weeks how to get the news done. We've got news anchors who are, uh, have built a green screen in their basement. We've got uh, two of our weather people who've got large monitors now hooked up in their basements with cameras set up, and they can go live and actually work the weather equipment from home. You know, we've got reporters and photographers who aren't even allowed to come back in the building unless there's some kind of special need uh, to keep them out and about and away from other people so that if we lose one to exposure or, God forbid, sickness, we haven't lost more than the one just on those contacts alone. So you got to understand, and I know that people do, that in business right now, we're disrupted because each of our employees is disrupted. We're all you know, trying to do the best thing we can for our personal health. We're all trying to do the best thing we can for our families and our professional colleagues, those people we work with every day. If you're a manager, you're trying to take care of your people. And at the same time, if you're a news manager, you're trying to get journalism done. A lot of stations are producing extra newscasts or producing more content for digital platforms, including streaming. So there's just all this disruption going on. So things are slowing down for a lot of just functional reasons that people just don't have the time to do things like hire right now. Then you add on to the uncertainty part, right, right which is where we don't know exactly how much money we're going to lose. I mean, everyone's losing massive amounts of money right now. So what does that affect for budgets for the rest of the year? I'd, uh, it'd be great if everyone had a crystal ball to figure out how long are we going to be out. And just as importantly for our business, how long will it take local advertisers to want to get back in? So that's part of the business that we don't don't have a full understanding of right now. We don't want to hire people just to lay them off or other people off in six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, six months, or whatever. So our people, we've got really smart people at Scripps. Most of our peer companies, of course, these are really smart business leaders. You know, they're modeling all this out with the information they have, but there's still so much uncertainty that we don't know. So I'm just asking people, week by week, give us a little patience. If you are looking for a job right now, you're welcome to reach out to a news director by email. Email is pretty passive, and if a news director has got time to respond, they will. But don't be expecting a response right away. Just be appreciative uh, if you get one back, um, because the moments that they have to respond to ordinary business email, including recruits, is is very limited right now. On your Facebook page, I think it was, you talked about taking advantage of this time to learn yeah. some new skills and, and, and tell, do some storytelling. In a way, I think that kind of inspired me to think about putting this podcast together as a way to do some storytelling with the you know, the limits that we have, but what we do have is some time in a way. We, we've all been given this amazing amount of time and we can do a lot of different things with that time. But what do you think a student, whether it's a freshman or a sophomore or a graduating senior, you know, what are some of the things they could do with the time they have right now that would be seen by a potential employer as a real plus? First of all, you've got the best tool in your hand. I'm sure everyone who's listening to this podcast has a smartphone. You probably aren't listening to podcasts if you don't have a smartphone. So, you know, you take your phone. It's got a brilliant camera or maybe multiple cameras in it the way they're built right now. It has terrific audio. Uh, There's all kinds of low-cost attachments like lights or selfie sticks that you can use to maybe improve the production qualities. But, frankly, your phone can shoot and also edit simple audio and video stories. And I would just tell, uh, particularly students who are restless about jobs or under 
utilized right now with their time to go practice really good journalism. No one in college gets enough repetitions that they need to really kind of fly into their career. And by that, I mean, not that they're not getting good repetitions. The best schools give you a lot of repetitions, but you always need more. So what can you do right now on your own when you're isolated to tell great stories? Who can you interview via a Zoom or a Skype or a, or a, a, a FaceTime that you can record that video and use that for a story? Where can you go that you can still keep yourself safe and healthy practicing our social distancing or other means of, of keeping away from the germs, what can you do to go get video to build simple stories? And I tell the students, you know, it's far better to crank out 10 or 15 short stories, even if they're 45 seconds long, than to be working on some kind of Picasso masterpiece of a story. You know, get in the habit of doing a story every day, even if it's simple, even if it's short, even if it's basic. And that repetition will really help you understand what it's like to be in the business right now. And then don't assume there are any rules. I mean, everything that we're doing in local broadcast right now is based on a lot of things that we would never have considered possible two weeks ago. But now having meteorologists work in their basements and doing professional live meteorology from their home, that was not on anyone's plan. But guess what? We're doing it every day now and doing it very well. Again, our journalists who are displaced right now and working away from the building are having to use all different kinds of electronic setups that they had never thought they would ever need to do, and now they're doing it. It's just part of their regular habit for the time being. So out of necessity comes this great opportunity to innovate, and students who don't otherwise necessarily have a boss telling me you have to do it this way to fit this exact product because this is what we always do or this is what we're doing now, no one's telling you to do that. So you go figure out how you, with your skills and your equipment and your time and your availability, you go figure out how to tell an interesting story. And if it doesn't meet the rules of any other platform, great. That's probably even better for you that you're figuring out something new. How do you think this pandemic and the, the response on the part of journalists, how do you think it, it might change journalism or certainly, let's say, preparedness? I mean, is there any are there any lessons that we can take away from from this time, or is this going to be just a one-off situation and everything will go back to normal when we're done? Well, we hope in terms of pandemics, it becomes a one-in-a-hundred-year phenomenon or a one-in-500-year phenomenon because we get better at fighting them uh, just for the benefit of society as a whole. I can't imagine any local media organization had a pandemic page in their operations and emergency playbook. You know, a hurricane stations in florida they have amazing hurricane plans because they get hurricanes or at least threats of hurricanes every year and, and in texas where i did a lot of my journalism where i'm from we had severe weather tornado plans so we knew how to do that we would practice those i don't think anyone had a pandemic plan maybe a large newsroom like the new york times might have had one or a large network like nbc or cbs might have had one who knows? But uh, you know, pandemics have never been experienced here. So even if you were to put together a pandemic plan, it would have been based on a lot of assumptions that probably now we know would have been wrong. The change going forward is we'll now have pandemic. You know, what is it like to be out of the building for a long period of time? How does it work in a newsroom to get product on the air? How does it work for a company to continue to write paychecks for people and keep the money coming in best you can when so much of it is not being spent right now? So all of that will change from the practical standpoint. I hope what other things will change is, you know, that common people, particularly in the last three or four years where journalism has been attacked from official corners as well as by uh, a lot of uh, people at the ground level, our viewers, our audience, 
that they'll appreciate the fact that we're still the most reliable source for accurate factual information and through the day and through the hour. Uh, that, that you're certainly seeing in broadcast and digital places right now. I hope that will be a change that will be for the better in our culture with what we've experienced the last four or five years. How are you maintaining you know, some kind of rhythm and normalcy? I know you're a runner. Uh, I assume you're still able to do that sort of thing, but you know, you've got uh, your kids, you've got family, you've got friends. You know, how are you maintaining um, your typical you know, Chip Mahaney great attitude? I'm thankful that even in the role I have right now, it's a little bit lonely working at home, and I'm a very social person. I like being in crowds. I love visiting schools, which I get to do now full time. I love being in Athens and visiting you and the people at the Script School. That's the joy of my life. I'm not getting to do that right now. Thankfully, we have Zoom, the new, not the new, but the new to a lot of people, um, you know, teleconferencing tool that has just saved a lot of business in the last two or three weeks. Uh, it was ready for prime time when the, the upon it. Um, yes, I do run. I ran a nice, uh, quiet uh, eight-mile run this morning just by myself. I'm losing my running group for the time being. We're kind of taking a break. Even if running is not outlawed in Ohio, you know, staying in groups, it's hard to social distance on a run. You want to talk to your friends. If I didn't have those two things, my family's close by. I have a daughter who's a senior in high school, and then she's experiencing the grieving and the stress that a lot of seniors at OU are experiencing right now, which is what's going to happen next. Will I have my plans that I've laid out all my life come through for me this summer and this fall when when she goes to school that disruption that morning of not being able to be with her friends her senior year the stress about graduation or prom but over the last week she's really kind of gotten a handle on that it's not easy for her but we're all kind of going through that different thing ourselves the good news is is everyone in my family and everyone that i know been healthy um i've not experienced the the fear the dread or the the um the shock or the mourning of having someone go through this that I know personally, although I know there are people close to me who I might not even know yet who are experiencing the worst of this. I'm very active in my church, our community here in Cincinnati and around the country, just kind of support each other, do the right thing for each other. And I'm thankful that my sport of running allows me to still go out and do that every morning if I choose, even if my Orange Theory, which I'm also a big fan of, has been closed and canceled now for a couple of weeks because we can't be indoors working out together. Chip Mahaney, thank you again for for taking some time to be with us. I really appreciate it. You've always been such a great uh, friend and uh, mentor to our students, and you've you've uh, been someone always ready to come to campus, already always ready to speak to students. And I appreciate you being willing and to take some time to do that today. I tell the students that you made a great decision to get here in the first place. And if you're sticking it out and going to the program and learning from the people that you have around you, you're going to be well prepared for your career in this business. And Bob, you've personified that whole experience for me over the 10 years plus that I've been able to come visit. Uh, OU will not be the same without you. I know your successor, Edith, will do an amazing job in leading in her own right, but it is, it's tough for me personally. Uh, well, the first couple times I go to OU and not expecting a handshake from you right there and a welcome and being treated like a king when I'm on campus. So thank you very much. Well, we'll find a way to get together. No, don't worry about that. <laughs> <Indeed>. <laughs> thank you again, uh, Chip, and um, stay safe. Thank you, Bob.